Welcome to the Market Access Matters podcast. This is a podcast for people in market access by people in market access. I'm Louise Bennett, Head of Marketing at Access Infinity, and I'm your host for this series. In our first ever podcast series, we are shining a spotlight on women leaders in market access, looking at their professional and personal journeys, what's attracted them to the industry, and what's next to help us all discover more about the people within this ever-changing community. I've wanted to get today's guest on this podcast for some time. Katie Gardner is Head of Global Market Access Excellence at Estellas. You'll hear from this conversation that Katie is not afraid to challenge the norm. She has a growth mindset and also has compassion and support for how others respond to change and the challenges it brings. I know that Katie has some valuable experiences and advice to share today. So let's get started. Welcome to the podcast, Katie. Hi, Louise. Thank you for having me. I've um, listened to the other podcasts in the series and they've all been really insightful. So it's a real honor and pleasure to be with you here today. Great. I'm really looking forward to getting stuck into this conversation. So we've spoken previously, but for the benefit of our audience, please, can you start with where you're at now, your current role and your core responsibilities? Sure. So I'm the head of global market access excellence and capabilities at Estellas. I've been at Estellas for just over three and a half years now. And really, my remit is to define market access excellence. So asking what does an industry leading market access function look like, and then ensure we have the capabilities to achieve this consistently across the organization. So it's a really wonderful role. I get to work across the full Estellas market access community, so including global and country-based colleagues across all products and the pipeline and with so many cross-functional colleagues across medical and commercial. So I'm really grateful for the role that I have and and really enjoy it. Sounds good. So what did your own personal journey into market access look like? What led you to the industry? Sure. So after I completed a PhD in neuroscience, I moved into working in the pharmaceutical industry. And my first job was actually in pharmaceutical advertising. And we were launching a product and you know, the patients really wanted to have it, the doctors wanted to prescribe it. So we thought this is all going great. But unfortunately, the patients couldn't access it because the payers didn't want to pay for it. And that was because we didn't have the evidence that payers required to really demonstrate the full value of the product. So this is going back 15 years. And that was the first time I had actually heard of market access and really understood payers and the role of payers. So that got me interested. And I left pharmaceutical marketing and joined a very small consultancy. It was less than 30 people that really focused on payer research and payer communications. And that small company got bought and sold and got bigger and bigger and bigger. But over the 12 years that I was there, it was great because I was able to really get a depth of of experience. So the company, we added health economics, outcomes research, real world evidence, value and access consulting. And I got to spend time with all of those functions and gain experiences there. So it really gave me a nice broad perspective of the market access function. Yeah, sounds like you've got some really valuable experience there and even managed to do a stint 
as well previously in marketing (laughs) which is cool so did you always know you wanted to work in science I would say so I think looking back I've even when I was a child and I wouldn't have articulated it in this way but I've always liked to make evidence-based decisions so I think that naturally leads to science and leads to market access I've always enjoyed problem solving I've also just always been terrible at the arts and at languages so maybe I had no choice but to be in science but (laughs) I think it's a good fit and I, I do enjoy it. Okay so looking over the course of your career what have been the most significant changes you've seen so far? I would say if we think about the example that brought me to market access of not having that payer evidence at time of launch, I would say the biggest change over the 15 years that I've been in the industry is really seeing that payer perspective being reflected on much earlier and earlier in the product development. And I think when you think of companies that do well, you know, that achieve optimal market access for their products, they tend to be the companies that do go through those right steps at the right time. They're asking like the right questions during the product development to make sure they're not just thinking about what is our target product profile, but what is our reimbursable target product profile. And I think it comes down to a nice phrase um, that we often use when we're educating people about market access and why you need to think about the payer perspective early. And that is on the road to success, there are no shortcuts. So you do yeah. have to put that work in and put that work in early. Within Astellis, we have a framework that we call Mishi, which is the Japanese word for the road or the path. And that is our framework for market access, pricing, policy and stakeholder strategy and HEOR. And it makes sure that we are doing that. So in phase one, what do we need to think of from a payer's perspective in phase two and phase three? So we're always making sure we're keeping the payer's perspective in mind. So when it does come to launch, we are able to get innovative treatments to patients as soon as possible, because as we know, patients are waiting for those innovative treatments. Sounds like a very thorough methodology. So have you had to overcome any barriers or obstacles um, as part of your journey so far? Well, that's a good question. I think one that's an interesting one that perhaps some people might be able to relate to is I joined Astellis during the very first lockdown. So I had my interview in person, met my boss, met some of my colleagues accepted the job and then the government called the first lockdown. So when I actually went on my first day, it was a matter of wearing a mask, driving my car up to Estellas, having a security guard giving me my laptop. And then there I was working from home and having to interact with the team virtually. So I think one of the challenges when we think about building relationships virtually, it's fairly easy to build credibility, to build reliability, But it's hard to develop familiarity when you're working remotely. And that's so important if you're really trying to build trust within a team. So I had to focus on asking connection questions, building in time to talk about life outside of work. You know, so if we would start a meeting before we got into the 
the topic, I would try to ask something instead of just a how are you, something more like what are you looking forward to this weekend or what are you most excited about today, just so I could start a little bit of a conversation and get to know people and get to know them as a person outside of work. And when thinking about my team or our team and trying to have a high performance team, I think it's really important, even if everyone's dotted all over the world and we're all interacting virtually, that we act and we perform like a team that is together all the time. So building those connections in is really critical. Absolutely. And I think it's a really interesting observation that you make there with many of us transitioning to more video-based interactions and calls and conferences and so on, there's typically less of that general chit-chat that you would get in a face-to-face setting. So I think it's really great that you and your team still make time to get to know each other on a more personal level and, and that impacts performance. Yeah, it definitely does. And so thinking outside of your own career and more broadly about market access, what are the biggest challenges that market access professionals face? I think one of the biggest challenges is that we're working in a constantly evolving landscape. We talk about this perfect storm that's being created with recent policy changes across the globe. We have the IRA in the US, the EU pharma legislation, numerous country level policy changes, and they're all raising the bar as far as value demonstration. And at the same time, we're developing more innovative treatments. We actually recently had a panel discussion with a group of recent ex-payers and asking the question, are current value frameworks still fit for purpose? And the conclusion was just about. So we know there's going to need to be changes in our value demonstration frameworks. And that's really going to need to be done through close partnering between industry and payer decision-making bodies. If we want to bring innovative treatments to market, we're doing so in this constantly evolving landscape. We're going to need to have innovative solutions so that patients can access these treatments. I think we're also going to have to really increase agility across the reimbursement landscape to reflect that constant evolution that's happening across the globe. So speaking of COVID, we saw great agility displayed on the regulatory side of things, but it'd be great to see if we can have that kind of agility on the market access side of things. So I think that constantly evolving landscape, that need to innovate, that need to increase agility, to me, are the the biggest challenges. Absolutely. So just drawing on that need for agility and I guess need for speed point, what should market access professionals be doing to prepare for the ever-changing landscape they're faced with? I would say really one way to increase agility across the industry is embracing digital technology. So I know digital is a big buzzword that we've been talking about for several years in numerous industries, including the pharmaceutical industry. And within Astellas, it's something that we talk about. And within our team, we're really aiming to have a digitally bilingual workforce. So we are not expecting people in the team to be suddenly become experts at AI or deep learning or advanced analytics. But what we're hoping for is to really have that digitally bilingual 
workforce so that you still are a subject matter expert within market access or pricing or HOR, but you're able to speak around digital. You're, you have that foundational knowledge of that space. So you know when to tap into and utilize digital technologies to get the work done in the most optimal way. So if you're trying to get payer insights, that could be that you need to go out and speak to payers, but it could also be that you need to use AI to look at previous decisions in the space to predict how your product may perform in the future. So it's really having that understanding of um, the pros and cons of all the different digital technologies that are available and building it into all the things that we do within market access. So digital isn't its own competency, but it's part of all the existing competencies that you need to achieve market access. So whether it's bringing it into how you operationalize your pricing or how you do your pricing strategy, value demonstration, value communication, whatever that may be, you're able to to harness the, the power of digital technology when appropriate. I really like that because it's really looking at digital transformation as an ongoing process rather than a a standalone segment. And and it is a topic that's really close to our hearts at Access Infinity as well. And you have been working with us as part of your journey. So do you have any commentary to share around that? Yeah, it really resonates that being that digital bilingual team, I think, is something I really enjoy about working with Access Infinity. And I think one thing you do well is instead of trying to be the jack of all trades, master of none, you have your technical experts and your market access experts and working together in one team. So it's having that blend of that deep knowledge, but bringing it together. I think that is unique and something I really enjoy when I'm working with the Access Infinity team. And also what's interesting too is with that bit of diversity in the team, you get interesting ideas because often it could be the programmer that comes up with the best idea for your market access project. So it really creates that bringing all those experts into a diverse team is is really nice to work with. Yeah, that's really great to hear. And I know that's something that's important to you and a core value of yours that we've spoken about previously is this idea that ideas can come from anywhere Um, and that really struck a chord with me when we were discussing it before we got into the recording. Yes definitely I think it's really important to keep that in mind that ideas can come from anywhere. We have an initiative actually that we just recently rolled out within the team and it's a project called Togu which is the Japanese word to sharpen and it's a project that allows team members to find and participate in short-term projects that are being run by other sub-teams where they normally wouldn't be included. So it's almost like a dating site for projects is the best way to describe it. So if you're a project owner, you can advertise your project and then someone can come and join it and get experience. And it has two benefits. So one, if you're the person joining a project, perhaps you've always worked in the pipeline and you want to get a bit of experience working on a project that's more around launch. If you're working in pricing, but you want to get more experience in HUR or in market access, it allows you to sample these other specialty areas. But then if you're a project owner, 
we tend to get the same work done by the same team members and you may be missing a trick there. So getting a complete outside perspective, getting almost a naive expert to come in to maybe connect the dots for you to ask the big questions or be more challenging, really make sure that we're executing our projects in the most optimal and effective way. Yeah, I mean, it sounds like that is an idea that was born out of creating an environment and fostering high-performing teams. And it sounds like it's helped to increase efficiency, but also there's an inclusivity theme there really, isn't there, in terms of including lots of diverse ideas. Exactly. Yeah, which is really critical for a high-performing team. I think that... And having the right mindset is is the key. You you need your subject matter expertise, but then you need to get that the mindset right. And I feel like that's a great mix for having a high performing team. So you've talked about the importance of creating a digitally bilingual team, which is a term I haven't heard before, but I think it's a great one. I also like your saying ideas can come from anywhere. And you briefly mentioned mindset. So I'd like to hear more about what you have to say on the mindset thing. Yeah, to me, mindset is key. I tend to bang on about mindset anytime I get the opportunity to talk about high-performance teams. But when you think of it, if you want to be a high-performing team, and if your aim is to outperform the rest of the industry, you have to be innovative. And to be innovative, that really requires that growth mindset and getting the mindset right. So we need to be open to ideas coming from anywhere, as you mentioned, but we also need to be open to feedback and we need to be open to being challenged. And those challenges can be internal or external challenges. And if we think of external payer challenges, if we want to achieve and maintain optimal market access for our products, it's right for payers to challenge us. As members of society, they are spending our money and we want them to do that wisely. So we need to be challenged, but at the same time, we need to be confident and ambitious enough to challenge back to achieve and maintain that optimal market access because patients can't benefit from innovative treatments if they can't access them. And also as a society, we have to recognize innovation if we want to continue the advancement of healthcare outcomes. So we need to be challenged, but we need to be open and ambitious to challenge back because it is that partnership between industry and payers that is going to continue to recognize innovation and bring that innovation ultimately to patients. Absolutely. So I'm interested to hear about what you've learned along the way in terms of key takeaways and also is there any advice that you'd give to young budding market access professionals starting their career now? Sure I would say given what I've talked about about ideas coming from anywhere being digitally bilingual having that right mindset it comes back a bit to this idea of transferable skills. I think I look back and I realized it was the transferable skills that I gained in my PhD and during my working and consulting that's led me to the job that I'm in today. So my advice would be to focus more on having a career lattice as opposed to trying to aim for going up a traditional career ladder. 
that really also helps create more cross-functional teams, a little bit less hierarchy. I think that's also how you get more high performance. You get more diversity that way. And then I think it's just having that mindset to be innovative. I always say to the team, our corporate strategic plan is to be innovative, to bring innovative medicines to patients. So by definition, we're going to have to do stuff for the first time. And that can be uncomfortable, but you need to be brave. And I always say, you know, fake it till you make it. (laughs) I always (laughs) found myself, it's, you end up, when you're on the consulting side, the client comes to you with a project or a problem and you are tasked with doing it. So you're, you have to do things for the first time. And then before you know it, you're there, you're doing it. You're the one with the experience. You're able to pass that knowledge on and, and everyone can benefit from it. So yeah, being brave and having that right mindset and keeping the end in mind, knowing that this will help bring innovative treatments to patients that can be motivational as well. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. So this has been a really fascinating conversation, Katie. And one final question from me, what makes market access a rewarding industry for you to work in? Without a doubt, it's making a difference in patients' lives. I know it's something that sometimes can seem a bit removed from what we do within market access, but you really have to remind yourself, again, as I said, if you're working within the market access industry, you are making a difference in patients' lives because, as I said, patients can't benefit from innovative treatments if they can't access them. So I think bringing the patient focus to the center of what you do really can help with motivation. Also, sometimes things seem so slow to progress and it it can feel like you're dragging a bit and you want to get that energy and that speed. And one thing we always say within Astellis is run, patients are waiting. And it's true. You really have to keep that front of mind as well. It's because put yourself in the patient's perspective, knowing what innovative treatments are being developed across an industry. It's so exciting, but that's what makes market access such an exciting and rewarding industry to be in. Amazing. Well, thank you for taking some time out of your busy schedule um, to record with me today. It seems like there's a lot of innovation going on at Stellus. Um, and I don't think it should be overlooked that change for any organization isn't easy. And I really admire you for supporting others through the transformation journey. You strike me as someone who's really brave and very inspirational. So thank you ever so much. I try to be. I have that phrase, which is if you don't change, you can't grow. And you have to keep that in mind. It's easier said than done. I try to do that when I need to go to the gym. Like, come on, Katie, (laughs) you can't can't grow if you don't change. Yeah, and I've got lots of new sayings to take away from today's episode. I'm trademarking them all. But yeah, thank you so much. It's been a fun conversation. This podcast has been brought to you by Access Infinity. We are a team of market access and pricing specialists with a purpose to help pharma companies tackle their challenges head on through a combination of technology and consultancy services. Our core solutions are Access Hub, Neuro and Evidence Library, which you can find out about at accessinfinity.com. Thanks for listening. Until next time, have a great day and goodbye.